Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Good day and welcome to Extreme Common Sense with your hosts, Trisden and Ray. We hope to leave some of the social polarization behind and dig into the gray area middle of society and politics. When the far left and the far right hate us, we will have succeeded. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. Ray, Hello. No, no guests this week. No guests this week. Yeah, just me and you, you know? And people seem to love those shows, yes? You know what? I, I signed so many autographs. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. It is getting old, isn't it? This, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm far too humble to be this famous. Yeah, so, you know, we, we just take it day by day and... Uh, you know, today I've got to get my Lamborghini uh, detailed. So are you? you know, yes, you know how it yes. is. Yeah, I do. Now, do you tip them when they, when they do that for you? If they do a good job, you know, they've got to bring the quality. You can't just bring that anywhere. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. So yeah, I go to only the place that uh, charges forty thousand dollars per detail. <laughs> I was thought you were going to go to the three dollar joint. The three. <laughs> Patty's actually got a deal where she. Um, I believe it's 1995, and I'm not exactly sure of the car wash. I think it's the one over by EKU. 1995, unlimited car washes. So, so she's really good. She'll go once a week. Now, me, I would pay my 1995 and wash my car twice in a year. They'd make money on me. But she thinks that's a good deal, so that she pays 20 bucks a month and she can quote unquote get unlimited car washes, but basically gets about four a, a month. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. nice. You know, I, I like a good clean car, but I do it usually myself. Yeah, and and I really that's never been a high priority. I I am convinced that the world is divided into two categories, car keepers and car killers. My wife is a car keeper, I am a car killer. Nice. Well, you know, the older I get, the more I crave order structure and cleanliness. So like my I get car that. 15 years ago, you know, whatever. Now I like it. Like I like my house just well kept and sort of in place. I I like things being. It's funny you say that Tristan, because if I lived by myself, my place would probably be sloppy, but Patty's like the neatest person in the world. And so I've lived that way for 30 years now. And I do realize the upside to it, which is that a mess begets a mess. If you just stay on top of things and you don't let the dishes pile up in the sink and you put your clothes away, you make your bed, the house stays relatively neat. But if you allow that to happen it's just like ah the dishes are already there we'll just add more a mess begets a mess it just don't let the mess start yeah no that's exactly right and organization's a better way to live you know i i I always kid her and say if i ever wrote a book on her life it would be two drawers down on the right because back like when ray was playing ball and she needed soccer socks or something and she'd call me at home she'd be like okay they're in the second drawer on the right behind the t-shirts it wasn't just like you know she knew exactly where everything was oh man that's nice it is. So, can yeah, drive so, you a little nuts, but it's nice. Well, I, you know, my wife probably wishes I was a little bit less like that, and I probably wish she was a little bit more like that. But right. she's really good with things that get dirty, like dishes. She's great. Clothes, she's great. But if something that isn't dirty but just happens to be clutter, it can sit in the corner of the living room, and she's fine with that. That drives me crazy more so even than the stuff that bothers her. Yeah, clutter. And I, and I tend to be a clutterer, but – 
because of my wife, I pick that stuff up. But I do know that the more cluttered it is, the more cluttered it'll become. Yeah. Because it's just the mess. The mess just continues. My mom used to say our house is clean enough to be healthy and dirty enough to be happy. So nice. (laughs) So one thing we had mentioned was, you know, we don't always go into sort of our mission with extreme common sense. And I, I don't know if we have to do it every episode, but probably a good Good idea to do it periodically. And one of the things that uh, we don't focus on much, I think we get a bit of a hard time from uh, both polar uh, opposite sides on the political spectrum, certainly probably more so from our friends on the far right. And and we don't make any bones about the way we vote. I mean, we both tend to go center left. But I think the point of what we were trying to do really is to sh- to have a bit of a show that was sort of the antithesis of people screaming at each other on Facebook and saying, right. look, We do accept both sides and we want to talk with both sides and sort of have that conversation as consistently as we can, because it is getting to the point where politics is really ugly. Certainly if your version of it is what you see on Facebook and uh, online. So, uh, you know, hopefully we sort of joke in the beginning uh, with the intro that when both sides hate us, we will have won or, or mission accomplished. But really, I think the goal is probably to have people have a good conversation and not hate each other in the way that they sort of do now politically. Absolutely. And I think at some point, you know, we, we've had conservatives on, we've had liberals on. Um, it might be interesting to bring one of each on one day and see how that goes. Now, it might be a, a an experiment that goes south, but it would be interesting to, you know, uh, sort of referee, if, if you will, kind of that debate that, you know, that, that never really seems to happen. It's just the two sides yelling right now. Right. Yeah, no. And, and I think that's uh that's a phenomenal point. And, and one thing we hope to do, I, I think you're exactly right when we can get, uh, you know, we want to bring on a, a, probably a liberal and a conservative at the same time. But again, we, we want to do it with people that can have a proactive discussion that, that is trying to find some middle ground and not trying to get points and be right. And, Oh, I told you so, you know, I, I, I think we want people that can have the conversation and still be friends. Hey, by the way, I have a question for you, but do we have a topic for today? Yeah, I think we're going to dive into guns. Okay, cool. So, all right. So before we do that, then this is just between you, me, and our two listeners. So we, you're right. Our, our allegiance probably leans a left center left, but as I've said a thousand times, there's parts of my life, very, very conservative, have all the respect in the world for conservatism as a philosophy, but certainly socially liberal. So again, just you, me, and the lamppost. Who's more cons- Who's more annoying? A real true conservative or a real true liberal? Like the furthest right person you know, or the furthest left person you know? Because they're both annoying in their own way. Who's more annoying? <laughs> oh no, that, that's a great question. And, and <laughs> boy, there's a good argument to be made for both. I mean, geez, oh Pete, these people, you know. The very far right, the very far QAnon right, and and you know the left wing folks that every word out of your mouth is a is a microaggression. Right. These people need each other. Like they just need to go in a room, you know, and and, and be together. I mean, I, I think eighty percent of the world can find some common ground. But yeah, the very true, genuine, super far left and right, you know, who can tolerate that? It yeah. is very, very annoying. Yeah, I mean, it is. And, and, and so much of it is, um, I guess the word now has become trolling. Like this Bobert woman from Colorado, you know, well, this would be a good lead into guns, you know, cause she followed up Thomas Massey's Christmas card, holiday card, whatever, with her own. You familiar with what I'm talking about? Yes. And she had her three or four sons, you know, with their guns. And, you know, 
Isn't that just to tweak people? Isn't that just to, you know, what, what's the saying, uh, beat up the libtards or whatever the hell they say? That's all that is, right? Absolutely. Own, uh, own, own the libtards. Yeah. Again, there's, and I hate that on both sides. Look, the, the point of like doing something like that just to fuck with people. Oh, look at these pussies that won't like my gun picture or, you know, whatever it is, no matter which side. I just think like I have a lower tolerance for that. Now, I know, Tristan, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I know with the work that you do, you've met a lot of these people, Rand Paul. Have you met Thomas Massey? I have not met Thomas, no. <clears throat> yeah, I actually did, and um, through somebody that worked here. And, you know, he's a bright man. hes I don't know if you knew this. He's a, I don't know, I don't want to misspeak and say that he graduated MIT. He may have. I know he attended. He got into Massachusetts Institute of Technology. So he is not a, uh, a small-brained individual, but he's... I tell you what he is, Trizen. It's what you talk about a lot. He is that provocateur on the right. He's a re- member of the Republican Party from uh, Northern Kentucky. He's a congressman. He's been maybe this is his second or third term. He made some national u- news a couple of years back when he drove from Northern Kentucky to D.C. to make that vote against something. I've forgotten now what that was, but. But any time he's pressed, he falls back on that, well, I'm a libertarian. I'm a libertarian. You know, I'm bulletproof. I'm a libertarian. No, you're basically a right-wing flake. Right. No, we, we've talked about that, I think, on the most recent couple shows. Look, own your own your side. If you have yep. these views, own the, the views. Not You know, oh, I don't identify as a Democrat because I don't like this. So basically I can give all the heat, but I don't have to take any. I just think exactly. that's a, a weak stance. I think it is too, and and that and that really does seem to be something that libertarians do quite a bit. And I'm not, you know, again, we always say we're not here to beat anybody up, and I don't think we are. I'd love to bring Mr. Massey in. I'd love to speak with him. I'm sure he's a. We know he's an intelligent man, but yeah, own it, man. If you're if you're there as this far flung right winger. Tell us why it is you feel that way, and when you get a little bit of heat, don't go. Oh well, you know, no, no, libertarian. It's you know that that no, that's really not the answer. I think yeah, Rand Paul does the same thing. At least he, yeah, he does. But at least he is a Republican. So I mean, I guess he has to own it on that level. I guess Massey's same though, right? He is. Yeah. So yes. But yeah, there, there is a pretty big uh, there's a pretty big cop out. Like I don't is that something Bernie Sanders would do? Would he say, "Oh, actually, I'm a socialist, so technically is that a thing that's on both sides?" I don't see it as much on the left. Although as far our last as guest who was a Democrat sort of yeah, didn't identify as much as a as a Democrat. So maybe it's a both sides thing, but yeah, whichever side you're on, you should own your party. So I'm going to let people know Tristan uh, that we're doing this again basically uh via the computer because you um, you had dropped out a little bit and you had that kind of weird voice thing go. So just if you happen to be listening, we're we're doing this using technology. And that's, that's because of me still um, technically testing positive for COVID, though I feel fine. So I didn't want to go into the studio and subject anybody to potentially, you know, I'd feel terrible if somebody got COVID. So that's how we're doing this show. Um, no. So are you saying that you don't think those provocateurs are quite as extreme on the left? Well, that was my question. I guess, do you feel like somebody like Bernie Sanders, who is a uh, what's a, a democratic socialist? Do you feel like yeah. he would use that as a cop out to not own some of the policy of the? Oh democratic no, Party? no. Oh, there you are. You're back. No, I don't think so at all. No, I think that's a thing that yeah is more is more um, kind of a purview of the right. No, I think I think a guy like Bernie Sanders 
loves that debate and wants to tell you in great detail why he feels the way he does, you know? And it's a funny thing, Tristan. It's because, and again, we, we're going to sound like we're picking or I'm going to sound like I'm picking on conservatives. I'm not. But it's because sometimes what we talk about a lot, if you are a proud conservative, there are things about that movement, not the tenets of fiscal responsibility, not the tenets of morality, of, 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 of the issues that that you always associate with conservatives, but some of those things like uh, kind of a wink and a nod to some racist bullshit that they do, good people on both sides, kind of a wink and a nod if you're sort of a misogynist, kind of a wink and a nod if you're <clears throat> if you're going down a, a, a racial road, right? They do that. So sometimes if you're a conservative, you don't really want to be part of that, but you don't want to you know, offend the base, so you sort of have to tiptoe. I don't think that happens on the left. Yeah, and and you know there may I'm sure we have our. Does issues. that even make I, sense? Is that fair? Yeah, no, I think that's very fair, and I'm sure the left has similar issues. I mean, politically, you know, I'm sure a lot of politicians are. Uh, well, I would put it this way: if you were if you were truly a person who thought abortion was wonderful and you wanted everybody to get one, okay, that would be a little weird and a little out of the mainstream. But you know, now 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 conservatives want you to think that about about pro choice people. Oh, they're you know, well, of course that's not the issue. That might be. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever met anybody actually who's that way. But let's say that person existed. Okay, that would make you a little out of you know that's a little out of touch for whatever. So you might have to dance around that. But you know. But when it comes to issues like racism and, and anti-homosexuality and anti-women, that seems to be the purview of the right, not the left. Yeah, cer certainly they, they haven't done as much. Again, it's something we've touched on, but they have definitely not done as much to distance from that. And, and again, right. m I would say most Republicans I know are not racist. Most Republicans I know are not sexist. But again, there is that element and you do sort of have to own that a little bit being in that party, or at least these folks that don't distance or, or make an effort to distance like Democrats do. Yeah, I, and I think that's right. And and when it gets pointed out to you, you can't then say, oh, well, you know, libertarian. No, you got to own that. And and that's that's my right. biggest beef. And I want to bring a conservative on and ask them that. Because, again, uh, umpteenth time, but I will, I will repeat it because I think it bears repeating – so much of conservatism is attractive. So much of it. It makes sense. It's a great philosophy. But the problem I have is not with the philosophy. It's with some of the practitioners of conservatism who don't mind. You know, I always put it, may he rest in peace, I always put it into the context of Limbaugh, probably the most prominent conservative, certainly the most prominent conservative in the media. And what was Limbaugh's show? I mean, there were always winks and nods at misogyny, at racism, at anti-homosexuality, right? That was a large part of what he did. Yeah, And that's how he grew his audience. You just took the record, I think. I think you have now mentioned Rush Limbaugh's wink and nod toward anti-feminism more than I mentioned being poor. So you have overtaken the show's uh, a repeat award just that, now. That, that's very possible, which my wife says I repeat myself, so I, I, I will stand uh, guilty <laughs> of that charge. But, you know, that guy grew a vast audience, and that show was what it was. You didn't have to listen long to hear something that teetered. You know, he didn't come out and say, I hate black folks, but he didn't have to do that. He didn't come sure. out and say, I hate gay men, but he didn't have to do that. He didn't come out and say, you know, women should be barefoot and pregnant, but he certainly hinted at all those things and was very comfortable with you associating 
associating those with him. Feminazis, for Christ's sakes, was a term that he used on the air all the time. So to me, if you're a conservative, yes, you have to answer for that. I'm sorry, you do. I'm willing to have that conversation with you, and I'm willing to have you tell me what's wrong with the left. But you can't go, oh, well, you know, I'm a libertarian. I don't really deal with that. Yeah, you have to deal with it. Well, too, and let me ask you this, Ray. I mean, even the the argument and the discussion you're making right now, how much of the Republican Party is even traditionally conservative at this point? Because, it, you know, a lot of stuff Donald Trump did was not traditionally conservative. You right. can't even really say, you know, much of what he did was other than, you know, appoint conservative judges was really part of what you would consider a traditional Republican. So Give is tax that, breaks to the wealthy. Well, fair. Yeah, but how much of uh, – where is the Republican Party going? And we haven't got to our, our actual show topic yet, which we should do pretty quick, but – what is the party merging to? Is it becoming this party of uh, – is it the Trump party or is it – will it return to be a party of con- fiscally conservative uh, conservative folks? That's the question, isn't it? And and the system works best when you have that tension that comes out of um, comparing ideas, right? It, you don't want a Republican party that's as as non-functional or as dysfunctional as the current Republican party is. And it, and it just is. I mean, look – Look at what's going on right now. So Biden got his um, stimulus package uh, back in the spring on a completely partisan vote. He got the infrastructure with 10 Republicans. And this current bill, Joe Manchin's holding up because he's a Democrat who seems to be opposed. So you basically have Republicans doing no legislating, nor did they do any when Trump was president for the four years. Other than tax breaks, and they did do some prison reform, what happened in Trump's four years? There was no legislation. Now, to be fair, they say they want smaller government, so they may would tell you, well, we're the practitioners of smaller government. We don't want to do anything. Okay, perhaps. Yeah, no, that's a fair point, but I don't know. I just I feel like that's a hard sell to the American people that it is. Please, please elect us so we can do nothing and exactly. take from you. That's right, yeah, I, and that's why they don't you know always sort of come out and say that. But that's um, right. That's but yeah, right. I mean, I, I've said for years, Tristan. There's run for there's government. two. There's two political parties in this country, and they both love to spend money. Only one, but only one of them is honest about that. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. And I think if you look at it in terms of the actual numbers, uh, you'll find that in the last, you know, 30 years, a lot of our debt, if not a majority, is is under uh, Republicans as opposed to Democrat-led uh, presidencies. Yeah, it's true. Now, Obama Obama ran the deficit up. He definitely did. But uh, George well, Bush blew it. Well, right. well, Clinton really didn't. Clinton was really yeah, about Clinton. the last truly fiscally conservative president. Bush blew it up, and and uh, and Obama did as well. And and Trumpy just, oh my God, Trumpy just blasted through it. You know. Yeah. And you'll. And it's just so. Sure. Yeah. There's circumstances certainly that that dictate raising, you know, when you have sure. a COVID and and you have things. So I'm not saying that yeah, president should never raise the the debt or should never spend. Of course, that's part of it. But again, you can't sort of be this politician that is anti-government, is anti-helping, is anti-doing all this stuff, and then do it. So you really can't have your cake and eat it too. Well, you that's can't spend that- more than the the de- previous Democrat, and then still try to to run on you know being the fiscal party. And I think that's it. I think having your cake and eating it too is is the whole kind of ties it all up neatly. That's what we're talking about. You can't beat up, beat up, beat up, and then when something comes back at you, go, oh no, no, no. You know, I'm, I'm a libertarian. I don't really subscribe to the tenets of the Republican Party. Yeah, you can't do that. All right. So guns. Tell me what you think about guns. 
Okay, well, you know, we've. I don't know what you said. You've actually changed your mind on guns, which I found fascinating because you grew up in a place that they probably weren't as common or probably more common for criminals and less common for sport hunters, certainly like we have here in central Kentucky. But I, you know, from the time I moved to California to, uh, to the south here in the Cumberland Gap area, you know, I always had guns. You know, as a little kid, I would hunt. I had the ability at nine years old to just go grab a gun and sort of go out back and shoot with it. I actually right. took a gun to my third grade class. It was unloaded, but the, to talk about a different time in America, you know, I took a gun that I had to show like a show friend. and tell. It's not sort of, I had it in my backpack to show a friend. Uh, oh my one God. Of the, yeah. So one of the kids told the teacher, Tristan has a gun in class. Uh, so what they did was they took it from me until the end of the day so then I could take it home. I mean, and of course, didn't get in trouble or anything. And this is, you know, 1989, Virginia. So mm -hmm. I'm definitely very familiar with guns, you know, always uh, been comfortable with those. I, I still am a gun owner, but, you know, I don't shoot that often. Um, how about you? What, what's your gun history? Uh, very limited. I mean, I uh, yes, growing up in New Jersey, the, there were a few hunters who had guns, but it wasn't like everybody had a gun in their dash, you know, on their on their dashboard, in their glove box, in their console, as you find here. And um, I probably parroted, um, you know, an anti-gun stance, and then I moved here and just realized, my God, you're not going to take the guns from these folks. So, so rather than fight that fight because you're going to lose it. Let's try and find some common ground, extreme common sense, and find those quote-unquote responsible gun owners, of which there are many. You know, I think of my buddy Paul, who's got an arsenal at his house. And But two things about that. It's always locked. Everybody, he, his wife and two sons are all well-trained. They're not going to shoot uh, frivolously. And Paul is actually on record, proud member of the NRA, uh, as saying that he would give up his assault rifles if that came down the pike. He would do it begrudgingly, but he understands that there are some weapons that shouldn't be in the hands of the common citizenry. Now, a shotgun and a pistol and those kind of things, no, he's not giving them up. But, you know, something that's designed more for the battlefield, perhaps maybe I shouldn't have that. Now, to me, that's a pretty reasonable position. Just like I say, the two intractable things are abortion and guns. Really hard to find any middle ground. I think on abortion, it's um, safe, legal, and rare. Not everyone would agree, but I think that's the only common ground. I think with guns, it's do we really need weapons that are designed for the battlefield in the hands of the individual citizen? I would say you don't. Yeah, you know what? Again, as a as a proud gun owner, and and I think your most ardent, like your friend Paul, even your most ardent gun supporters, NRA members. Look, if you take the, the letter of the politician talking to you out of the conversation and you go have a conversation with Paul and you say, Paul, a lot of people are getting murdered with guns. A lot of people are using these guns for bad things. You can't have a conversation about finding ways to keep guns out of the hands of folks. I mean, I think most good gun owners are open to some legislation. And, you know, of course, these laws won't solve everything. No law like drunk driving laws don't stop drunk driving. But it does put quite a dent in some of this stuff, and it does sure. make make it. You know, they help; they really do. So, I, I think the key is to to find a situation where you're not creating a slippery slope argument for for folks that love guns. Because I think the problem is every time you talk about any type of common sense gun legislation, these people start to think, "Oh, well, they're coming for our guns, and this is the first stop, the first 
part of that. So we have to stop everything, even very reasonable common sense measures. I think there's a great question that should be asked of everyone, and I think how you answer that question probably is very indicative of your stance on guns. Simple enough question, and it's this. Does the introduction of a gun into a given situation tend to increase the violence or decrease the violence? Or let's say the potential for violence. So does the introduction of a gun into a given situation tend to increase the potential for violence or decrease the potential for violence? It's, well, it's obviously almost universally increased with the, when you add a gun. I think there was a, a number recently that, uh, like, you're 50% more likely to be shot if you're in a household that owns guns than you are without. Okay, so you say that as somebody who prefaced it by saying you grew up with guns, you still own guns, you shoot all the time, and and I and I would tend to agree with that answer. Now you're going to have some people say, "Oh, that's bullshit," you know. The my and see, I'm doing that macho thing, which is what I go to, and that's kind of mocking, you know, because you associate guns with manhood and all that crap. But um, you might have people who would fairly make the argument that no, man, if I'm somewhere and some joker pulls out a gun, I want to have my weapon because you know. The, the problem is if there's no good people there to, to, to shoot them, that's okay. You know all that argument. But I would just say this. I would tend to agree with what you said, and I think it is beyond a shadow of a doubt. It is absolutely provable that where you have more guns, you are going to have more shootings. And that's all I've ever asked my gun owner friends, largely conservative people who are all about guns. You have to admit that where you have more guns, you have more shootings. And that's worldwide. Go to the countries that restrict guns. You don't have shootings. And even here in America, where I grew up in New Jersey, just not a lot of guns, just not a lot of shootings. Moved to Kentucky and Trisden. I actually kept a notebook for two years. And it was kind of a hobby, but it was just little pieces taken out of the Lexington Herald because they would do that community page. And how many fucking shootings there were just weekly, not necessarily fatalities, but just, you know, two farmers that got pissed off over the land or two brothers who were mad at each other. And one of them drew a gun and shot the other. And it was unbelievable. There's parts of the country you go to. You can't do that. Yeah, you, know, you, you, you couldn't sit with the newspaper and find those stories, Oregon and Washington and, you know, New Jersey and, and, and Vermont, you know, but here in the South. Guns are just part of it, and where you have a lot of guns, you have a lot of shootings. You just do. I mean, well, so if someone wants to prove me wrong on that or argue with me on that, that's fine. I don't think I'm wrong. Well, my counterpoint to that, Ray, would be, and I'll take the, I guess, the the right wing stance on that. I don't think the problem is the guns, and I, you know, I don't want to sound like a, a bumper sticker. It, it genuinely, a lot of it, not all of it, a lot of it is ignorance. A lot of it is people that need to be trained. I don't think yep. every person should be able to walk in Walmart and grab a gun. I don't right. think every seventeen-year-old kid needs a gun. I, you know, it, it, it's not that. I mean, Paul, myself, most of the people you and I probably know with guns are responsible, good gun owners. So right. the, the, the the tough part is finding a way for folks like us to keep our guns, to have the ability to hunt, while right. also getting guns away from morons. You know, like, I don't feel like a 17-year-old kid should be hired for security in the middle of a race riot in, uh, you know, wherever Kyle Rittenhouse was. Again, we, we just need some genuine common sense. And let me throw some stats at you from Switzerland. Uh, they're the third highest country in gun ownership uh, behind us and Yemen. So there's a lot of guns in Switzerland, but they have had zero mass shootings in the last 20-plus years. 25% of their citizens own guns. 
Their murder rate is virtually zero. Uh, I think 47 attempted homicides with guns in the last year, but no, nobody actually died. Uh, all the kids are required to take gun training. Uh, they're all required to learn gun safety. All men who are of combat age, fit for combat, are given a weapon, a gun, and trained. And again, they're the third most armed country in the world, and they have virtually no gun incidents. I think part of the problem is our American badass cowboy culture. But again, the guns are getting in the hands of the wrong people. You can't just say we have no laws, but also no training. Also, anybody has access to this. Like, look, I could get on Facebook Marketplace in an hour, even though you're not allowed to buy and sell guns on there. I could post something about, hey, looking for a weapon if anybody has anything. Within an hour, 10 people will contact me. I, you know, I can get a gun if I want to use that for malicious purposes, hunting, whatever. But it's very, very, very easy to get a gun in America. So I guess the question becomes, like, can we at least all agree on training folks or making uh, making it a situation where gun owners are smart, you know, so it's just not, you know... Four or 500 accidental deaths a year that could easily be prevented with some gun safety and training. If folks well, I mean, when you, yeah, when you look at American death, uh, it's somewhere around 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 in a really bad year. And the dirty secret of that, Tristan, is about half are suicide. Yeah. Death yeah, by, definitely. you know, death by gun, uh, a suicide by gun, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, but I mean that is interesting about Switzerland. Cause I knew I, I didn't realize it was America, Yemen, Switzerland. But I knew I, I, that there's that thing about um, the Swiss. Uh, it, you have to have a gun or something like that. It's like by law. That I, I'm not sure, but I know there's a lot of guns in Switzerland. So I don't know. Is it a uniquely American problem? Well, I don't know if it's a uniquely American problem, but I think it's. And I, I haven't ran the numbers on this, but I think you'd probably find. With, with ease of access to guns with a complete lack of training problem. So, right. you know, when you have a country that says everybody can basically go get a gun, but everybody doesn't have to have a permit, everybody doesn't have to register it, everybody doesn't know how to shoot the fucking thing, you just grab it and go, I think you, you run into a lot of bad situations when that's the case. You know, so let me ask you this. If you're, yeah. you're a guy who owns a gun, um, sure. so would you travel with it if you're going to New Orleans and you know it's a rough city and there's some murders and, and so on and so forth, places you don't want to find yourself, which is any American city, um, maybe any city, um, would you feel better armed? Man, I, don't, I just don't carry it like that. So, yeah. I mean, I haven't. I think probably personally, not necessarily. I mean, I get the people that want to do that, you know, and, and have that need for protection. I mean, I think if, if – if it was me, I would probably take some pepper spray if I felt like I, I might be in trouble, you know, after dark in Memphis or something, uh, you know, to have a little something to just get away. But I think if you can avoid killing somebody, you should just try to avoid it. You know, I, how many of these police shootings do we see that could have been prevented with pepper spray and a taser instead of a gun? Well, I've said that about home break-ins. And again, I think it gets to that macho bullshit that a lot of my friends, um, you know, and I like to think of myself as as macho as the next guy, but, you know. Football, you know, I, I like football and I like beer and I like chicken wings and, you know, I like girls and all that good stuff. But, you know, some of it does get into that macho crap. But, you know, you – if you insist upon carrying that gun – well, not even carrying that gun. These guys who will say, somebody breaks into my house, I'll drop them where they stand, right? You've heard that. 
Okay, yeah. great. You're a tough guy. I get it. Is it really worth an individual's life or a fucking gold necklace that they may take or a watch out of your house? See, I've never been able to square that. Now, there are some states, Tristan, New Jersey, where you can be tried and found guilty of killing an intruder because you're supposed to go to the furthest distance from them. In other words, you're trying, you're, you're supposed to try to do what you can to decrease the violence in that situation, just taking a gun and shooting them. And how many times do you hear that from, from guys that, and it is largely guys, maybe, maybe Laura Bulbert and Marjorie Taylor might say it too, but you know, it's largely guys who go, I'll drop you where you stand if you break in my house. Okay, great. I mean, is that, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of, that's just kind of that bullshit stuff about guns that pisses me off. Yeah, well, man, it, it's tough because I think the problem is... I get too, it, like, you know, if your kids are in trouble and your wife... I mean, I totally understand it, but there's just no reason or logic to those debates. Well, I just think the problem is is if if an intruder's coming in and you know he's not going to kill you, you know he's not going to rape your wife or your kids, you know he just wants some drug money, which probably is 90% of it. But, man, that's a scary fucking 10%. It is. If somebody's in your house that might rape your wife or shoot, no, I get you know, that. or shoot you for no reason. So again, but people, go, people do go to that worst extreme first. They don't logically think about, okay, and the number of break-ins that there are in this country, uh, the infinitesimally small amount ever winds up in someone being killed, raped, maimed. It's some jagoff who wants a television to trade it on Facebook marketplace for a sure. few bucks for his next fix. That's exactly right. right. Now, yeah, is no, it, it worth his life? Now, some will go, God damn right, it's worth his life because he's a piece of shit and I just killed him. Okay, great. You're a tough guy, whatever, whatever. But I, I don't know. There's just no, to me, there's just very little logic in, in the whole gun thing. It gets far too emotional. And I swear to God, these guys think you're picking on their manhood if you, you know, my gun proves who I am. Okay. I don't know. Do I sound too anti-gun? No, man. I think it's a good discussion. And, and again, I think, you know, I'm not one of those guys. Like, I wouldn't look forward to murdering an intruder. You know, I think it's one of those things that, yeah, it should be a last, you know, last possible uh, thing that, that you're going to do. I mean, you have to feel like you're probably threatened. I mean, I don't know that you just see a, a person in your, well, I don't know. See, that's tough, too. I say you don't just see a person in your house and start blasting. But at the same time, like, there's a pretty thin line between seeing somebody that doesn't belong in your house and when that occurs. I mean, it's either turn around and get the fuck out immediately and if they do not do that immediately, then yeah, you know, you probably do start start shooting. I mean, I don't mind taking an ass whipping, but you know, yeah, I, I don't want the people closest to me to get hurt for sure. Well, that's right. Yeah, no, that's right. So I, I've, I've got my neighbor who will remain nameless, but he's an older gentleman. This is a great gun story. And this was very eye-opening for me because I'm only here at that time, maybe seven, eight years. And he always called me Raymond. Raymond, Raymond. So one day I, I stop and he says, uh, Raymond, can you give me a hand? I, and, and he's, he's about 20 years older than me. He's 80 now. So, so he might have been 60 at the time. And, and I was whatever I was, 40. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll give you a hand. So we come in and he has to move a couch, right? So I get on one end of the couch. He gets on the other. We lift it, move it to the other side. And there's a fucking shotgun that I guarantee you had been there. I guarantee you, A, it's loaded and B, it'd been there for how long? He goes, that's where that old girl is. I'd forgotten about her. I lost her. So there's a loaded shotgun laying under his couch he didn't even know about. And I was nice. like, yeah, dang, man. That's a true story. Never forget that. That is funny. Yeah. 
Well, but that is pretty common, you know, and I think that's where a lot of accidents happen. I'm sure your neighbor probably didn't have a lot of kids running around. He was an older fellow. No, no, he lived by himself, right. Man, I think you see that so much, you know, that kids just grab a gun, you know, or accidentally shoot somebody. And that's, you know, it's in the news because it's rare, but fuck, it's also heartbreaking when it's completely preventable and you see people getting shot. So again, that goes back to the Switzerland thing and just making sure people are safe. And I don't know how you enforce that. I don't know if you require a high school class where you make kids understand to respect the safety of guns. You know, I don't know if you ever passed something like that in Democrat states. Probably you could in Kentucky. But again, I just think people have to, if we're going to be this country where everybody has access to guns, we have to make people familiar and safe, you know, in these types of situations. So you think the difference with us in Switzerland is training largely? Is that uh, and the respect for guns and the harm they can cause, so forth? A little less of the cowboy image and a little more of a clear-eyed look at guns. If you're gonna, yeah, if you're yeah. gonna have the responsibility, if if you're gonna have that huge responsibility of carrying one, or if you're gonna have that right to carry one, you have to also have that responsibility of knowing how to use it, when to use it, when not to, so on and so forth. Exactly. Yeah. And again, you know, man, I know a lot of kids around here that have had guns that have never had the conversation of, hey, listen, you don't have to shoot somebody because you feel endangered or, you know, again, a lot of gun accidents are because people have guns and it's a moment of passion. Like you said, brother will shoot his brother because they're arguing over a piece of land or or, you know what I mean? It's just this heated moment of passion that, yeah, hey, if the gun didn't exist, you know, in that relationship at that moment, nobody would die. But then also, it's just a situation where, you know, if you go know going into a situation, look, I, I don't need to bring my gun. I'm talking to my brother about some land or, or whatever. Look, right. there's just there's some common sense. But, yeah, I think training, gun responsibility, you know, there's a lot of good dads and a lot of good moms, I'm sure, that teach gun responsibility and pass that down to their kids as, you know, as, as a tradition. And they're respectful and they're smart and they know how to do it. But I think, again, it's. It, there's a lot that don't also, and that's where you get so, in trouble. So we can end this where we started it. So then what's your opinion on a Thomas Massey or a Lauren Boebert sending out a Christmas card that has the family armed to the teeth? You think they're just trying to troll and tweak? Yeah, I think it's kind of horseshit. I, you know, I, I think, yeah, you're just, like you said, what, what's the term, uh, owning the libs? Yeah, you're just lib charts. You're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to press buttons. And again, the whole point of our show, I think, is to, to kind of get away from that. You know, I don't want to do anything that's going to provoke the other side. There's just so many damn good people on the right, and there's so many good people on the left, and people just forget about it. And I think people in Kentucky uh, forget about the, those folks on the left that are their neighbors. I, Ray, I had a great conversation with somebody you and I both know recently that's running for uh, Madison County Judge Executive. I've known this guy as a client for 15 years and did not know he was a Democrat. All of his his best friends are Republicans. He's like, nobody knew. I didn't tell anybody. It's just one of those things. But my (laughs) point is, is that you you get so comfortable in Kentucky being a Republican, just like you probably get so comfortable in New Jersey being a Democrat, that you start to be a bit of an asshole to people because you just assume everybody's like you and you should just sort of say what you want. Our buddy Dave Townsend, who uh, was on the show uh, posted on Facebook the other day. He was in the post office and some guy was kind of ranting some kind of crazy uh, political stuff because he assumed everybody agreed with him. And I guess Dave got a little bit offended at, at, the, yeah. Yeah, at the thought of, you know, everybody sort of agreeing with this guy. But it is you get people get a little too comfortable and a little too rude. Look, you can you can have your opinion and your point of view. 
but why are you in public screaming I'm right and everybody else is a bunch of morons? Look, we've we've got to find some common ground in this country. Yeah, and and again, the two toughest issues are abortion and guns. They just simply are. And they're almost intractable. So I'll say, you know, since we know now it's documented that I'm a guy who repeats, I'll repeat again. I think if you're trying to have a conversation with somebody from the other side of the aisle, you just respectfully say, I'll tell you what, we're going to take these two issues, leave them off the table for now, and let's talk about whatever it is that you think we can agree upon. And, and you might be surprised at how much you do find in common. Um, and, and then at some point, you know, maybe you touch on abortion and guns, but those are two that are just fraught with emotion. They're fraught with the exact opposite of extreme common sense. People don't bring common sense to those issues. They just don't, you know. Uh, I mean, even in terms of, you, you know, not to pick on my friends who are anti-choice, but um, it makes no sense to me how you can be opposed to abortion and in favor of the death penalty. That's just completely hypocritical because, well, it's not an innocent life. Well, who are you? Someone just appoint you God? There's only, you know, if you're, if you're a person of faith, there's only one individual who decides what is innocent or not innocent life. It's not a human undertaking. So once you have put yourself in the position of being opposed to the taking of life, it has to be consistent throughout all of life. You can't stand opposed to abortion at the beginning of someone's life and then say, we'll kill him with the death penalty at the end of it. It's just inconsistent. Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty fair argument. It, it's, uh, it is a, it, it's an odd thing to have to wrap your mind around. If you are pro-life, you should be pro-life and not just pro-fetus. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, George Carlin George Carlin used to do that bit about how, yeah, these Republicans, they're pro-life, they're pro-life, they're pro-unborn life. But once you're born, they don't give a shit about you. <laughs> and you know? and there's, a, there's a great argument to be made for that because there are a lot of different reasons why women have abortions. And if we do say it, again, I'm not endorsing a welfare state. But look, if, if a woman wants a baby but can't afford a baby and you're very anti-abortion, let's find a way to help this woman have this baby. You know what I mean? Like, we can't sure. just be like, oh, you, we're forcing this baby out into this awful situation. But again, we're on guns, and this could go on all day. But yeah, there it should will. be some common and sense we'll in all this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there should be. And I don't know that we accomplish anything here. We'll get a we'll get a proud gun owner on to tell us where we're wrong. It's not hard to find one here, Tristan. Right. Well, you know, and I think if we had our buddy Aaron on the show, who uh, is conservative and actually sells guns for a living, and actually just this week we spoke about going shooting, and I would love to go shooting with my friend Aaron because I know he's going to be a safe guy with his guns, and he knows his stuff, and probably in a private conversation would tell you, look, realistic gun laws are probably a good thing, but... Right. If you start, if you open the door to, to this gun law, then what about the next one and what about the next one? So I think people are open to common sense gun laws. It's just the fear of what that would eventually turn into, which is why people would say, oh, no, we can't have any gun laws at all or, you know, we should enforce only the, the few we've got on the books, et cetera. Yep. And to be fair to conservatives, we know that liberals go down those roads sometimes and they don't go fully down that slippery slope. You know, I always point to the smoking ban. Wonderful that there's no smoking in buildings and restaurants. You know, I manage a bowling center. There was nothing worse because the ceilings are low. And, you know, I don't know if you ever noticed, but bowlers aren't exactly the best toned and trained athletes. They smoke and they drink and they eat chicken wings. And bowling centers, bowling alleys were 
terrible places. You know, you'd, you'd come home, you'd almost have to throw your clothes out. So wonderful that they've eliminated smoking, but you can't smoke outside. Come on now. That, that, that went too far. And there's a lot of examples of things going too far. And that's where our friends on the left have to say, okay, you know what? Common sense, extreme common sense. There's just not enough of it. Yeah, yes. and Ray, since, since we're just a bit new still to this podcast game, and even after last week, we still don't have any sponsors yet, and before we hire that sales staff, I want to take this time to discuss something in pop culture. Today, I'm going to discuss the term, defund the police. Okay. <laughs> Democrats, were you concerned you might actually win some elections? So you all got together in a big room and thought about the best way to scare off as many potential voters as possible? And someone in the back of the room yelled, what if we make old people think we want to get rid of the police? Then Hillary Clinton stood up and says, you know what? I like it. Look for future Democrats slogans like disarm the military and defund nursing homes and abolish sports. Say what you will about the Democrat Party, but their slogans is to pizza. Oh, shit. <laughs> but they are to slogans what McDonald's is to pizza. Not the best. <laughs> It's well, it is true. I mean, the messaging is never great with our with our friends on the left. They 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 need some marketing people. God bless yeah, Mr. Trump. It, he can market. Yeah. No, if we had uh, Trump's marketing genius on the left with the ideas of the left, uh, you know, we we might be able to get some stuff done for That's sure. It. Well, brother, I, I don't know when this is going to air. Um we never do, but um a couple of weeks to the holidays. I I don't know if this is the show just prior, but you know, tis the season. Enjoy. Yeah, you too. Hey, real, real quick, Ray, as we as we sign out, funny story. Um, you know, you know, I sell uh, some radio ads for a living, and um, one of the things I'm really conscious uh, conscious of is around this time of year, uh, we do a very uh, Christmas special, which used to be the holiday special. You know, I've been yes. working here so long; it was before people really realized that there was a war on Christmas. Yeah. So we've had to switch. We can't say like seasons greetings or happy holidays as much because our clients will freak out and say, no, this is Kentucky. You have to say Merry Christmas. Oh, that's great. So one of the things that I, we went around that, I actually had a client today. We did a commercial and we said in the beginning, Merry Christmas from your friends at Blank Business. Uh, wishing you all the best. Come see us when you need whatever. And then seasons greetings at the end. And they said, no. You have to say Merry Christmas twice. You can't even ah, say Merry Christmas ah, in the beginning. Now, that was new. I've never had somebody say, we can't say it both ways, just to completely insist on that. I, it's fascinating. How about our next show? Because you, I know you've got some pull, and so you can expedite these shows. How about our next show we do on that supposed war on Christmas? Hey, sounds good to me. Since we're right in the teeth of the season. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, thank you, man. Okay, hey, thank you, Ray. Uh, get better. I know you're not really feeling the effects of COVID, but get better so we can get back in the studio. Uh, yes, but in sir. the meantime, I think Troy has done great setting us up here. Uh, again, we, we love Front Porch Studios and Troy. If any of our folks that are happen to be listening locally think you can do this better, and you probably can, contact Mr. Troy at Front Porch Studios in Berea. Uh, he's been awesome to help us, and uh, so has Nate with Stoveleg Media, who uh, who helps out. And uh, yeah. Been been uh, fun having you back, even though it's digitally, and uh, look forward to a show next week. Absolutely. And where can folks find us on Facebook? Yep. Check us out on Facebook, Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. That's T R I Z D O N. Uh, and to our German listeners, as always, uh, thanks. Dr. Lieben. Dr. Lieben. <laughs> thanks, Trisden. Thanks, Ray. 
Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.